0: Welcome back to the Armchair Trader podcast. Today we are talking battery materials with Nano One, which is a company a lot of our readers will be familiar with. Um, we've been following it closely for over four years now. It's been a very interesting uh, green economy story from Canada. On the podcast today, we have Alex Holmes, who is the CEO, joining us actually from London this week. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Stuart. So, Alex, very quickly, before we get into some big news you guys uh, have just put out, um, Kent, for those who aren't familiar with Nano One, I know a lot of our readers will be, can you just give us a quick summary of the company and what it does?
1: Uh, So, Nano One was founded uh, in 2011, um, primarily on a scientific curiosity as to how cathode active materials were made and manufactured, and they're used and key to lithium-ion batteries. Uh, Back then, there wasn't a lot of electric vehicles on the road, of course, but through the process of scientific discovery, our team, our scientific team, then developed a technology to manufacture cathode active materials in a much cleaner uh, way that also has a lower energy intensity, a uh, much cleaner environmental footprint, and a much uh, significantly reduced number of units of operations, which helps reduce capex and opex. And as our patent portfolio has grown in-house, to about 32 granted, uh, 50 plus uh, pending globally. Uh, We've also struck a number of partnerships up and down the supply chain from uh, parties like Rio Tinto, uh, on the upstream and the mining and refining side, all the way through cathode active material producers, cell producers and automotive companies. And uh, in the last couple of years, we've really accelerated efforts on our technology, advanced our partnerships, Last year, we acquired um, a LFP cathode active material plant located just outside of Montreal in Quebec, Canada, uh, from Johnson Matthew, uh, UK. And what that did for us is it brought into NanoOne arguably the most experienced LFP cathode active materials manufacturing team, certainly in North America, arguably outside of China. And when China today produces about 99% of LFP cathodacta material, which is one of the chemistries. Uh, This gives us a significant leg up as we look to accelerate our efforts towards commercialization.
0: So, yes, I mean, as we've been, been, I feel like I've been on this journey with you guys over the last four years, and uh, certainly the wind always seems to be blowing in the right direction for you because we're now in in a position where there's more and more stress on on. Your technology on what you do, but also the fact that you're doing it there in North America, you're located in Canada. It seems that at government level as well, the Canadian government, U.S. government, um, seem to favour the development of you as almost like a strategic asset um, within North America. Would that would that be fair to say?
1: I certainly think that uh, the Canadian government has been very proactive uh, in helping establish. their minds-to-mobility platform or or supply chain. And as part of that, um, have really been very supportive of the efforts we're doing to scale our technology. We're now in our fourth project with a uh, program that the Canadian government has. And if you look at the aggregate total government support we've had to date, it's about $25 million in non-dilutive grant money to help us take our technology from lab effectively to production-scale piloting. Um, So that together with the U.S. government's uh, initiatives underway, whether it's the Inflation Reduction Act or supporting the development of the domestic supply chain, Canada and the U.S. have a very thin border when it comes to automotive and trade, and certainly when it comes to um, the energy transition, ensuring we have secure, resilient supply chains, there are coordinated efforts taking place.
0: And and today, as we're recording this, um, you guys have just put out... um... Um, a news release um, regarding an investment from Sumitomo Metal Mining. Um, It's not just an investment, also a collaborative agreement. Big piece of news uh, from you guys. Can you give us a bit more um, detail on that?
1: Yes, absolutely. We're very excited about this uh, piece of news today. Of course, uh, it didn't happen overnight. Uh, It's been many months in the works uh, with our team, collaborating very closely with Sumitomo Metal Mining team. Um, Why this is important is... Sumitomo Metal Mining is probably the most highly integrated miner refiner to battery materials producer globally. Um, Very big presence uh, in Japan and the ecosystem for automotive and energy grid storage. Uh, They supply uh, tier one cell manufacturers with cathode active material like Panasonic, who in turn supplies cells to Tesla as an example. Um, They currently make high nickel formulations of cathode active material today and they also own an LFP manufacturing plant. Uh, They really, they entered the LFP uh, space in 2022. And as we see this shift globally to having LFP play a bigger role in automotive and energy storage, they see a need for technology differentiation to help get us there and one of the really interesting aspects of our technology is, as I mentioned earlier, it removes a very significant waste stream uh, known as sodium sulfate. It uh, also uh, reduces the energy intensity of the entire manufacturing process and, and dries down capex and opex. So you take all of these things as a whole, working with a Japanese company that was really involved in the early days when lithium ion batteries were first commercialized. And, um, and there's a very significant uh, Japanese government industrial policy that was put forth earlier this year um, by the Ministry of Economy, Trade and Industry uh, to uh, support Japanese companies expanding globally to the hundreds of gigawatt scale of uh, cell production and everything to do with the supply chain that goes into cells. So this is a pretty, this is very significant for us. Um, we are very pleased to have such a well-respected company work closely with us and, uh, you know, effectively validate uh, what we're doing uh, with uh, the investment and the collaboration.
0: And it's basically around about 5% of the company uh, Sumitomo Metal Mining will be taking.
1: That's correct. Uh, It's 5% and uh, priced at about a 10% premium to the five-day volume weighted average price.
0: And, well, I mean, the other thing that really jumped out at me was the collaborative agreement because it means that uh, also two companies will be working uh, closely together on future opportunities. I mean, obviously, one thing that springs out to me is the potential opportunities in Asia and, and in Japan for you guys. Um, do you have any more sort of detail on, on the sorts of things that you know the companies might be working on together?
1: When it comes to the LFP side of the equation, uh, certainly uh, both our team... Uh, and Sumitomo bring a great deal of know-how um, because they're so well integrated into the Japanese ecosystem. They understand directionally where that uh, marketplace is going and they want to be a significant um, participant and supplier within that supply chain. So we see a lot of opportunities on the LFP side. On the uh, high nickel side and MC side, where we see opportunities is with our M2CAM technology and being able to use sulfate free forms of battery metals um, which which removes the sodium sulfate waste stream and really this is in the context of how do we how do we scale to the terawatts how do we get to a 2050 net zero future we're talking about hundreds of terawatts of installed capacity that leads to a lot of inefficiencies and waste out of the existing manufacturing process and so uh, sumitomo metal mining is certainly interested in Taking on new technology to help uh, scale to that kind of level of terawatt installed
0: capacity. And does this play into what your CEO, Dan Blondel, has been talking about previously? And he's been on this podcast before um, the sustainable battery supply chain. So it's not just about getting the mined materials out to the battery manufacturing space, but it's also about doing this in a sustainable way way that isn't going to end up with tons and tons and tons of toxic waste basically going into the environment which kind of works against what we're trying to achieve with all this.
1: Uh, You know as part of this energy transition if we think about it let's not create a problem before the system's actually been established and set up. We have tremendous growth uh, that will happen over the next 10-20 years plus to uh, transition to make this energy transition and so we have an opportunity here to do things differently to um, kind of reintroduce a uh, an inefficient process into that massive scale adoption. Um, And it's more than just waste streams. It's also water use. So our technology uses less water, which water water is becoming a scarce uh, commodity, if you will. Um, It's energy uh, intensity intensity. The energy grids aren't necessarily set up to um, support gigafactories and cathode factories and everything else that goes with it and charging vehicles um, so if we're really smart about how we use our energy, that's also really important. And then, of course, GHG uh, emissions reductions, um, which our process also uh, helps helps reduce.
0: Do, does this Sumitomo deal open up new opportunities in Asia for the company? I know Asia has been a, a region you have been active in previously, and uh, it's obviously still a very fast-growing and dynamic area economically. Do you think that uh, going forward... It, with the help of Sumitomo, it would uh, actually help Nano1 to get more traction in that region?
1: Yeah, we believe so. Um, I don't know if you noticed, uh, but earlier this year, um, Canada hosted uh, Japan's Battery Association for Supply Chain, uh, both in Toronto around the time of the PDAC mining conference and then all subsequently in Quebec. And when they when that delegation came to Quebec, um, most people came and toured our Candiac facility, and that was a a great opportunity to build awareness for what we're doing. Um, I think the ecosystem in Japan is very, uh, it works very closely together. It's very tight knit. And by having um, the validation and collaboration with Sumitomo, that certainly opens doors into uh, the automotives, into the cell providers in a way that was, uh, you know, certainly stronger than previously.
0: And there's no, we've not actually had anybody from Nano One on the podcast since uh, the company announced the scale up in Quebec. Can you give us some color on that? Um, what you're trying to achieve there, and and how it's going at the moment?
1: Yes. So uh, November last year, November 2022, we closed in the acquisition of Candiac. Um, we worked closely with the team to uh, the, the existing team there uh, to effectively learn the one pot technology. in in making cathode at a very small scale. While that was happening, we stripped out um, various pieces of equipment that our process does not need and we kept pieces of equipment that our process can use. And so effectively what we've been able to do is use the pieces of existing equipment that are full commercial scale to make tons of LFP and repeatable batches. Um, So in a nine month period, uh, we've completely gone down tools, retooled and started producing LFP again. And so really, I think the way to think about this is not just a great big pilot, this is effectively, this is production scale equipment validating the process. And so the news we put out a little over a week ago, the, the underlying message there is that the technology scaled to full commercial scale units of operation successfully producing material that's as good as what we have at our lab and our innovation center in Burnaby, British Columbia. And that I think that's a very important message that needs to be understood. That anytime you scale a technology, you're obviously going to face hurdles and risks and is it going to scale and these kinds of questions. Uh, Our team at Candiac, working very closely with our team in Burnaby has done an excellent job to get us there. The other thing we're doing is um, we've also installed effectively purpose-built one-pot reactors at a smaller scale, but one-seventh to one-eighth scale full commercial. And those help us produce uh, samples and help engineering to optimize the reactors for the full commercial plant we plan to build next door on the existing land we own. Uh, And so working closely with partners like Our Next Energy and other potential customers, we'll sample and validate off of that smaller uh, reactor scale uh, as well as the large commercial reactors to get through A, B, C samples, et cetera, to ultimately lead to an offtake. And so that's kind of our focus right now is get samples out the door to the list of customers that we have. We've been prioritizing them based on, uh, you know, d- depending on who they are, their timelines, do they ramp up and match our timelines, et cetera? Um, because at this stage it's very much about collaboration and getting feedback for little tweaks and and, and corrections here and there. Um, that's really important as they make cells. And, you know, I think one of the really good things about where we're at is this stage is, is this ecosystem is just starting to get going in the US as well. And so our timelines are really aligned.
0: And so, this, I mean, it's important to stress here that this what you're talking about here is not actually building batteries in the factory, it's building the actual materials that will go into other people's batteries and, and help those batteries themselves become more efficient more energy efficient greater range etc I mean that that's the that's going to be the appeal the companies you're going to be dealing with here are going to be someone else who's already building a battery but they want to build a better battery at the end of the day and they want to tap into your processes to help them to get there yes that's
1: that's a good way to put it I think you know local supply for many is is really important security of supply um, of course cost is is part of it as well um, there really isn't anyone else in North America making LFP today. Um, so this gives us, uh, you know, a quite a significant leg up. Um, and then you look at some of the US government contractors, for example, they have to source domestically. There's a push away from Alliance on China. Um, so these are all, these components all help support what we're doing um, in, in, in in scaling and ultimately building a future planning store.
0: Uh, the, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was that you've mentioned it already in passing, but the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act um, and the, the state of the battery supply chain in North America, from where you're mm-hmm. sitting, what's your impression of that and and what sort of impact do you think that's going to have on Nano One going forward?
1: Well, I think we've seen a lot of, uh, it's a great question, because I think we've seen a lot of gigafactory announcements but not a lot of cathodactyl materials announcements. And the cathodactyl material makes up roughly 50% of the cost of a lithium ion cell. Where we've innovated on is on the process and how they're made and using forms of feedstock that we can source within North America or within you know free trade countries. So we think that the Inflation Reduction Act has been great at sort of getting some momentum built into the sector to see people looking to deploy and invest capital within the north american context canada counts for the ira um, there are some unknown applications of the act that i think are still out there that people are trying to figure out and understand and, and whether there's call it back doors or whether they'll get the full credits through other um, other means or or if they source certain things will they get access to different different credits within that in the ira i think for now the 7500 hundred dollar electric vehicle credit is really important uh, certainly from the automotive perspective um, so sourcing critical minerals and uh, sourcing domestically is a driver uh, of interest in what we're doing of course The automotive scale volumes are, um, you know, they would be five to six times what we would produce at a full commercial plant next door. So the commercial plant next door that uh, we've just wrapped up an engineering study on will help get to the full qualification with the automotives. It may be some smaller scale supplies and their overall needs, but what they need at the end of the day is five or five to six times that particular plant for one gigafactory. Uh, and so that's how we have to think about how are we going to scale into those volumes uh, w- in partnership with the automotive
0: So that's really going to be, I mean, from, from where I'm sitting, it, it sounds to me that that's going to be one of the major operational challenges you guys will be facing is when all of a sudden you have a long queue around the block of companies that want to work with you and you need to scale up that that. You're already scaling up to the commercial factory now you're going to have to scale up that commercial factory to just a, like a completely new level to meet the demand.
1: Maybe the way I'll, I'll address that is we have by using the commercial-sized equipment within the Candiac facility today. Essentially, as we go to a new commercial facility next door, um, it will be instead of one large reactor, it'll be half a dozen large reactors, and then one piece of drying equipment, one piece of thermal treatment equipment, calcination equipment. Um, we, what we've done on the engineering side is we've uh, optimized a single production line size. Uh, we can fit up to two production line sizes next door, uh, on the existing land. And that becomes a, we take a philosophy of design once build many. We didn't make up that term. It's a, it's a, it's our approach to effectively creating a turnkey engineered production line so that that is a very well understood scale. And and we're already making LFP in similar-sized pieces of equipment within that single production line. There's just more of those pieces of equipment. As you think about the automotive scale, they might be multiples of those line sizes. And so it's just literally a cookie-cutter type approach. You'll have half a dozen to 10 production lines.
0: Okay, so basically you're pretty confident then that this is actually quite scalable. Um, it would be relatively easy to roll this out as, as demand picks up? We
1: never like to say it's
0: easy. <laughs> There's
1: a lot of sleeves, you know, rolling up our sleeves quite a lot. Um, fortunately, we've got an amazing team, which is very helpful. And, you know, in the background, we're aligning ourselves with other other partners and collaborators that will be part of helping us get there because it's not a – we can't get there on our own. We, we accept that. We acknowledge that. Uh, it has to be in partnership, and I think – the supply chain itself recognizes that as well. They recognize that there has to be a lot of collaboration up and down the supply chain. And so we've got big partners like Rio Tinto and Sumitomo, um, others downstream in the automotive side and uh, and working with some different engineering partners as well. So fortunately we're not in it alone.
0: My, my last question was really related to more broader broader question, really, about the global demand um, for lithium-ion batteries, which is obviously something you're exposed to a bit as a company as well. Um, how are you seeing that as a trend right now?
1: Well, s- certainly growing, of course. I think um, a, few, a couple of years ago, I would have said North America was three to four years behind Europe. I think in the last couple of years, though, North America has really caught up. Um, largely, uh, you know, catalyzed by the efforts of the Canadian and U.S. governments. So that's great to see. Um, The market's growing. We think that energy storage is going to um, very rapidly expand uh, and almost come on stream faster than the automotive uh, side because of the the, the desire and the, also some of the uh, tax incentives and different incentives the um, Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill brought to the table to encourage this. So I think we're really just at the tip of the iceberg, relatively speaking, uh, where we are in the, in, the, in the kind of terawatts of what's to come. What has changed over the last, well, probably year and a year and a bit, at least publicly, but we saw it probably a good two years ago, was the shift to have more LFP chemistry play a role within the overall mix. Part of that driven by innovation at the um, pack level. So after the cell, the cells go into the packs. At the pack level there's been systems level engineering uh, design that has helped effectively bring the energy density of a pack using LFP cells much closer to that of high nickel. and. Uh, when you look at iron and phosphate supply chains, um, they're 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 bigger than nickel, manganese, cobalt. It also means there's less reliance on, you know, x number of new nickel mines that have to come on stream to meet that level of demand. And so we're seeing this this shift, and LFP is naturally also a lower cost material. So while it's lower energy density and lower cost, the pack level engineering design has helped. Effectively bring it back up to where NMC is today, and that's changed the thinking of of automotives. And then there's certain material properties of LFP cathode material that make it a uh, a more suitable material for um, for energy grid storage, uh, heavy industrial use, um, and it also it's inherently much safer uh, as a material. And so that's what's you know when when the automotives look at how do we get mass, you know, large volume, low cost EVs into the marketplace so that we can get to a place of mass adoption, we have to look at other chemistries to help drive down those costs as well. And that's really part of the role that LFP plays. So one of our, our partners, uh, Our Next Energy uh, in in the US, in Michigan, uh, they've done systems level design engineering that have really brought them well up in line to pretty much, you know, maybe five, six five, percent less than a high nickel um, cathode material at the pack level, and this has been a major shift change. Um, and, and BYD and CATL came up with that innovation a couple of years ago, uh, largely in the in the Chinese market.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean it's one of the th- it's, it's one of the things that I think happens a lot. Everyone's so focused on Tesla and on the uh, adoption of batteries by the automotive sector, you're really forgetting the massive. Um, Opportunity that exists there in um, grid-based energy storage, which is which is is going to be huge going forwards.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely, and and for us the the focus uh, for you know for offtake for our first commercial plant is really focused on the energy grid storage market. Um, it's it's right sized. It's a good size match for the production capacity that we install production capacity we plan to have there. Um, it's also that market is a little faster to move than the automotive um, just because the qualification validation timelines are, are shorter. Uh, And then of course there's this desire to get energy grid systems into the marketplace as well.
0: Is there anything else you can say about, um, you know, what your priorities are going to be for um, the next six months? Uh, What what sort of things you're, you guys are focusing on?
1: Obviously the Simitomo, Metal mining announcement today is great. Uh, so we'll be working very closely with them over the next little while as we, uh, you know, spend more time mapping out in much greater detail um, timelines and, and paths on, on how we're going to get there together. Uh, getting samples out the door to our list of um, customers on the LFP side from from Candiac itself. Uh, working through validation qualification timelines. Our goal is to get to offtakes, you know, end of the first half of next year, early the second half. Um, As part of that and running concurrent with that, we're doing the engineering studies, taking to a feasibility level study. Uh, We're working with different um, uh, funding organizations, both government and non-government, to support the build out of that plant. And that'll kind of take us over through this year into the first three quarters of next year. Uh, and then I think just generally looking for other updates on our joint development agreements we have in place with parties like BASF, um, and uh, hopefully also bring some other new partners into the, into the table.
0: Yeah, you, you're already working with some really big names. It's very impressive for a, a business of, of your size to have such large uh, blue chip partners. I mean, it's excellent. Thanks very much indeed for your time anyway, Alex. It's brilliant. And it sounds like you've got a very, very busy winter ahead of you. So good luck with that. Yes. Thank you, Stuart. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website, www.thearmchairtrader.com for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there.